Good morning, everyone. As Pastor Chris mentioned, if you would open up your Bible and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. And while you are standing, turn into your Bibles to Psalms 13. Psalms 13. We'll be reading the whole chapter. And if you need a Bible, please feel free to use the Pew Bible there in front of you. And you can find a reading today on page 534. Follow along with me as I read Psalms chapter 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? forever how long will you hide your face from me how long must i take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day how long shall my enemy be exalted over me consider and answer me o lord my god light up my eyes lest i sleep the sleep of death lest my enemies say i have prevailed over him lest my foes rejoice because i am shaken But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come, Lord, and we just lift our voices. We lift our hearts to you, Lord, thanking you and praising you for your salvation through your Son. Lord, I just pray that you just meet us here, meet us as individuals, Lord, those who may be struggling with something, those that are depressed, those that are happy, Lord, that you would just meet us, that your spirit would speak to us. Be with Pastor Chris as he uh, brings your word to us. We thank you most of all for Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. With the pain, the suffering, the loss, in the meantime, until he comes back. How do we deal with the tension between our pain and God's goodness? How do we live in the now of our groaning and the not yet of his future glory? Well, there's good news for us this morning. God's answer to that question, to that tension, is the word lament. And we find it in the Psalms of Lament. Dane just read us one of the Psalms of Lament, Psalm 13. The Psalms of Lament are songs of sorrow and sadness due to the suffering and sin of this fallen world. And these songs, of which over nearly, nearly one-third of the psalms are songs of lament. And these songs teach us how to handle our hurt and to help others with their hurt until Jesus brings us home. Because you see, to cry is human, but to lament is Christian. To cry is human, but to lament is Christian. Lament is how Christ followers express their suffering, their sorrow, their sadness to God. It's how we vocalize our pain as Christ followers. You see, we were born crying. No one had to teach us how to do that. Yet we don't know how to lament. You see, the reason to lament, to mourn, to weep, to grieve comes naturally. That's what the video highlighted. It comes to us unasked and unwanted. We live in a fallen world filled with sinners. Sinners like us. And sometimes we suffer from their sin. And sometimes we suffer by our sin. And sometimes we see others suffering from the sins Of others. 
the diagnosis of cancer or some other incurable disease, the loss of a job or the loss of a marriage or both, the loss of a loved one by death or by defection from the faith, the unjust treatment of others, Psalm 7, Pastor Bruce preached on that, the deserved discipline of the Lord, Psalm 6, we saw that, the prolonged suffering that just never seems to lessen but in fact grows worse. I've heard it's called aging. The silence of God in our suffering when he seems absent and he's just not answering our prayers. You see, these are all reasons for lament. Our world is filled with them. And they come to us unwanted and unasked, yet the skill of lamenting is a lost art that needs to be recovered. Why? Because lament is how Christ followers express their suffering to God. Now, we just sang a lament in the song, Blessed Be Your Name. In fact, the whole set was a song of lament. It was based on the lament of Job. In Job chapter 1, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Did we think through what we sang this morning? Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering... Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. It is well with your soul is another lament song. When peace like a river attendeth our way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, these are the kind of faith statements that lament will lead us to pray and to sing. And I'm telling you, it won't be easy. It will be a spiritual battle, but it's possible. Our pain can be a platform for praising our God. This morning, I want to help you and help me recover the lost art of lamenting. This is an equipping message. It's not an exposition of any one psalm of lament. Uh, It's based on all the psalms of lament. And uh, you can see all of those on an insert that you have in your bulletin, and it lists all of them there for you. But what it does, and what I intend for it to do today, is to equip you. Now, I first was introduced to the Psalms of Lament over 30 years ago by my Hebrew professor, Dr. Ross, at Dallas Seminary. I've been studying it and seeing it and discovering it and living it. For a lot of years, but I'm far from an expert in the art of lamenting. God has helped me by leading me and my family into dark storms and deep waters. Because, you see, ultimately, you learn to lament on your knees, on your face, on your back. If you want to see a testimony of that, the other handout 
will give you a great story. We'll read from that in a moment. So I'm just a Christ follower, just like you, still learning to lament. This morning, I want to equip us to recover the lost art. We need to learn how to do what David did in Psalm 13, what Job did in his suffering, what Hannah did in her infertility, what Moses did, what Jeremiah, what Jesus himself. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three 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 points to help us and to, uh, and to equip us. Losing the art of lament. What is it that we lost? What is lament? I mean, I don't know how to do it if I don't know what it is and if I lost it. Secondly, learning to lament. How do we begin to lament? How can I, I start this process? And then living with lament. What are the benefits of it? So let's dive in. What's the first idea? The idea is this. To recover the lost art of lamenting, we need to know what we're losing. Losing the art of lament. So what did we lose? Let's define. Let's begin by defining lament. What did we lose? And what I have there laid out for you are just some what I think are great definitions. I think uh, lamenting is more something described than defined. So here we go. Lamenting is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Secondly, lament sets us free to vocalize our pain as it moves us towards God-centered worship. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. If you want the simple one deafen, there you go. It is the pathway from heartbreak to hope in God whose glory is greater than our groaning. Now step back from that. Look at the words that you filled in. Honest cry, pain, trust, hope. That is what lament is. Let's move on to learning how did we lose it. Discovering lament. Now that you have a basic idea of what it is, discovering lament. How did we lose it? And here's what I want you to understand. Much of life is lived in a minor key. Yet the minor key of lament is often missing in our lives. Much of life is lived in a minor key. In other words, life in a fallen world is filled with reasons to lament. In fact, the lady on this insert that I gave you said this. My quest to understand the Psalms of lament began in the midst of a deep period of depression I had spent a wonderfully rich two months in Ethiopia recording Christian Somali music for broadcast from Ethiopia over Somalia. During my time there, I received numerous prophetic words that doors would open for me when I returned to Canada. But within a few short months of my return, I was unemployed, living in the basement of a friend's parents' house. My childhood home had burned down. And a friend of mine had committed suicide. These were not the doors I wanted to open. I was deeply disillusioned with God, completely buried under my grief, and spent most of my days either in a futile job search or sleeping. During this time, I was still leading worship at church, and my depression inevitably deepened on the weeks I was to lead worship. 
At the time, I was unable to pinpoint the reason for this. But when I finally began to come out of my depression, I realized that I felt I could not worship God on Sunday mornings, not as I was. Although many individuals and families in the church supported me in critical ways during this time, I felt wholly excluded when the church gathered for worship. In the midst of my depression, I did not feel I could bring my whole self into the context in which only praise seemed acceptable. She goes on to say that during my depression, the only scripture passages I had felt able to read were the Psalms especially the Psalms of Lament. It seemed right then to begin to include them in the gathered worship of the church, scriptures that had made me feel included in God's story, even in the midst of my depression. I was amazed by the response I received. I began to hear from others who felt they had to leave a part of themselves at the door if they were ever going to be able to worship God, not only Did these individuals now feel included in worship of the church? They also discovered a new capacity of praise. You see, there are plenty of reasons to lament. But we need to learn how to recover it as a church and as believers. See, life in a fallen world is full of reasons to lament But the only way to discover how to respond, how to do it, is like this lady, how she did, through the Psalms of Lament. You see, the Bible is filled with responses of lament. Nearly one-third, as I've already said, of these songs are lament songs. We find David is a singer of laments. We find the prayers of lament on the lips of Moses and Elijah, the prophets of God. We see Hannah lamenting her infertility before the birth of of, of the prophet Samuel. We see the book of Job is basically one long lament. The book of Habakkuk repeatedly says each chapter, how long, how long, how long? And then Jeremiah is filled with laments. Jeremiah is perhaps the greatest writer of laments. After all, he wrote the book called Lamentations. And then the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, reveals that even lament is going on in heaven right now and during the great tribulation. Revelation 6, 9 through 10, listen to this. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And here's what they do. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? There is lamenting right now in heaven. But the Lord of lament is Jesus Christ, the man of sorrow who wept at the graveside of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew in a few minutes he was going to raise him from the dead, who lamented over the hard hearts of Jerusalem and wept, who agonized in the garden and grieved over the suffering he was about to encounter, who cried out to his heavenly Father on the cross a psalm of lament, Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But what about our lives? 
When our lives are filled with reasons to lament, do we respond with lament? You see, the minor key of lament is often missing from not just our worship, and thankfully, as you just saw, that's not the case here, though we need to improve. But what about our own lives? You see, we often confuse Christianity with something that's always upbeat. This past week, I was sharing with someone about preaching on lament, and this individual emailed me back, emailed me back saying, very rarely do evangelicals address that. We tend to be more happy clappy and are not sure how to lament. Only that's not what actually came through the email. Autocorrect struck. And what he wrote to me was, it's, we tend to be more happy crappy. <laughs> I didn't know his I said, can I quote you on that? And he's like, oh, and he wrote back. He said, it just did it again. It was, but hey, that's the idea. There's theology there. That's the problem. We think Christianity is happy clappy. But in reality, life is happy crappy and heavy on the crappy. Stuff happens. How do you respond? Even contemporary Christian music is woefully lacking in lament. Too often you have to go to secular music to hear anything close to lament. But unsaved people cannot truly lament. For to truly lament, you must know both the bad news, which they are familiar with, and the good news. We're doing a disservice to a lost world when we fail to show them how to lament as a Christian. Even our funerals are often lacking lament. They've become lament light. Those who are far from God are increasingly throwing parties without even having a funeral service. And funerals are increasingly called celebrations of life, even for those who know Christ. Now stop right there. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There is nothing wrong with treating a funeral for a person who is born again as a celebration of life. We're going to do that this week for Shirley Mosier. And let me tell you, when I die, I hope you celebrate the life I live, but more importantly, the internal life that I'm enjoying in heaven while you're down here lamenting. And I hope that you realize that I'm more alive than I ever was after I die. But if we're not careful, we will miss out on the power of lament, the grace of lament, the worship of lament, if we leave it out of our funerals. Even Jesus Christ cried when he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. The Apostle Paul says, grieve just not as those without hope. And even the martyr souls, listen, if the martyr souls who are in heaven, safely secure under the altar of God, if they can lament, then we need to be lamenting down here. So let's stop and ask ourselves individually, have I lost the art of lamenting? Do I lament my sorrow, my suffering? Do I lament my sin? Do I lament, do I know how to respond with lament to mass shootings? Do I lament the brokenness and the helplessness? Or am I a critic or a political uh, you know, commentator? Red, blue, right, left. Folks, we're Christians. We need to be lamenting. 
We've been taught to do the opposite of lament. Some of us have been taught to never complain and just suck it up. Yet complaint is a part of lament. Some of us were taught to never cry or express our emotions. Yet crying out loud and vocalizing our pain is essential to lament. Some of us were taught only half a gospel, the happy clappy side. Prosperity gospel doesn't lament. They only tell you to lament when you lack the faith to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Consumer Christianity gives us cheap grace for no, and no reason to lament because it's all about what we get. If we're going to lament, it's going to be because the Lord, the church, and the people around me aren't meeting my needs. And then that happy, clappy, happy, sappy spirituality calls for always being upbeat and wearing a happy face and has no time for transparent tears and ang- authentic anguish. I truly believe that lamenting is lost heart. And even though I see the need for lament in our culture now more than ever, and even though I've been through suffering where sorrow like sea billows roll, and even though I have sung blessed be your name with tears down my face in this church, gripping the pew with a cry of hopelessness in my heart, I still need to learn to lament and I bet you do too. So let's, let's, let's learn how to lament. Let's move on to the next point. Learning to lament. The Psalms of lament follow a general pattern that I have summarized by I cry. I cry. I see our why. And we'll use Psalm 13 as our model and throw in Psalm 22 along the way. Because Psalm 13, if you look at it in your Bibles, it's simple, it's short, and it follows this I cry pattern. And so let's take a look at it. The I in cry, I cry, stands for invoking God prayerfully. Invoking prayerfully. The I in I cry is invoking prayerfully. The first step in lament is to break the silence of sorrow and suffering by turning to the Lord in prayer and crying out loud to him and often, Oh, Lord! Oh, Lord! Now, the word invoke is useful because it begins with I. But it actually means what it's supposed to mean. Invoke means to cry out to God. Get his attention in earnest cry to God to pay attention, to listen what to what we're about to say. And hey, it's a, it's a spiritual, it's a religious word. Many ser- worship services, services begin with an invocation where we call on God to pay attention and take part and be active in our worship with us. But let me give you the down-to-earth illustration of invoking and getting attention. My friend Kendall lived across the street from me uh, on 65th. We were the 65th Street Gang. And Kendall came of age in the era of McDonald's when they ruled, right? They no longer rule. You know, Chick-fil-A has taken over. (laughs) But McDonald's was the thing, and it was right here on Antioch Road. And so Kendall would be in the back seat of the car, not strapped in because we lived dangerously back then. And whenever the car would go by McDonald's, Kendall would thrust himself towards the back of his dad's seat, grab his dad's face, 
and turn his face and say, Burger Daddy, Burger Daddy. And I don't know how they ever didn't get in a wreck, but apparently it got him burgers. But that's what it means to invoke. Dad, God, oh Lord, pay attention to what's going on down here. Lament begins with addressing the Lord. Look at Psalm 13.1. Look at those words. Oh Lord. Or look at Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God. People do this naturally, instinctively, even when they don't know the Lord. Watch the films of 9-11. And as people watch this tragedy unfold, they are on film. And what do we all say when something tragic happens? We say, oh, my God. But this is only the first step in lament. If all you say is, oh, my God, you haven't lamented You've just been surprised by suffering. Getty Smith, the lady in the handout, says this, Biblical lament cries to God, cries out to God. This is not an internally focused process of grieving. These are not the secular four stages of grieving. Nothing wrong with those. This is something more. It is first and foremost a prayer, a conversation. When we further consider the God to whom we cry, this aspect of a lament psalm, brief as it may be, takes on greater significance. You see, we cry to an omnipotent God, a good and merciful God, a just God, a God who grants access, yea, even welcomes it in the midst of our pain and suffering. So the first step of lament is to break the silence. And this is a big step, but it's a, it's a critical step. Why? Because in suffering, we turn inward. In suffering, we turn inward and we tend to retreat into isolation and silence. But in lament, our gracious Heavenly Father invites us to not turn inward but upward. To not be silent but to cry out. So how do we pray in our sorrow now that we have his attention, now that we have cried, my God, my God, oh Lord, what do we pray? Well, the C in I cry stands for complain honestly, complain honestly, bring your complaint before the Lord with honesty and humility. This is the heart of lament. And here's two things to help you do this, okay? First of all, bluntly lay out the specific pain or injustice that you're experiencing. Or that you're seeing others experience around you. As I see the meltdown of our culture, more and more my response is I must lament. I don't need to comment. As a Christian, I need to lament. There's all sorts of talking heads that are commenting and just dividing our country more than ever. And sadly, as Christians, we suck into that because we don't understand lament. We become commentaries. We become critics. We become divisive because we have forgotten to take our complaints to the Lord. So bluntly say to him, look in verses 1 and 2. Look, look at what David says in verses 1 and 2. Look in your Bible, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
How long shall I take counsel in my soul? In other words, the only person I'm getting any advice from is myself, and I'm not adequate. Having sorrow in my heart all day, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? Or you can listen to Psalm 22, where in verses 1 and 2, he immediately says, Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out. Invoke prayerfully. Complain boldly. And here's how you do it. Admit your heart frustrations by asking the hard questions. Admit your heart frustrations by asking the hard questions. God is big enough to handle the hard questions because ultimately he is the answer to every question. So admit your heart. And so here's the idea. You can always, almost always, recognize lament in the Bible by these three hard questions. Why, O Lord? Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is this happening? What is your purpose in this? I thought your purpose was this, but my pain says this. Secondly, how long, O Lord, is this going to last? How long, O Lord, before you answer? How long, O Lord, before you act? When will your power kick in? Because you're all powerful. When will your promises be fulfilled? Because you said... All things work together for good. When will my prayers be answered? How long, O Lord? And then where are you, O Lord? Where is your presence in my pain, in the suffering of my loved ones, in the meltdown of our world? You see, complaints reflect our heart frustration and even our confusion over the tension between what we're experiencing now and what God has promised is not yet. You see, it's the confusion over my pain and God's goodness. It's the confusion over my grief and God's promises. It's the confusion over my sorrow and God's sovereignty. You see... A lament honestly, specifically names the situation or circumstance that is painful, wrong, or unjust. In other words, a circumstance that does not align with God's character or his covenant promises. God, here is who you are, here is what you promise, and yet this is where I'm at. Now, the emotional tone of laments vary greatly. Some express sorrow. Some express remorse and repentance. Some express weariness, anger, disappointment, doubt. You see, God welcomes all these emotions, and our worship of him ought to reflect all those emotions. You see, lamenting is not the same as griping, whining, or simply complaining. We are to complain honestly and humbly to the Lord. Now, this is where I believe social media becomes a temptation. Because instead of going to the Lord in the lament, 
We go to social media, and too often all we're doing is griping, complaining, and seeking sympathy from people, get this, from people who have no power to change my circumstances or change my heart. Are you, are you with me on this? Furthermore, they often tell us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. I'm not condemning anyone for using social media. I use it. Our church uses it. But what I'm asking is this. Have we allowed social media to become a substitute for lamenting to the Lord? Now, lamenting is more than merely complaining. You can't get stuck in this step. You've got to move on to the R. The R in I cry is request boldly. Request boldly. Specifically and boldly called on the Lord to act in a manner that's consistent with his character and will hopefully resolve your problem. A lament expects a response or an answer. It expects God will be able to do something about our situation. That's why we go to him. It's okay to share with others. But let's make sure we're not gossiping, not griping, not complaining. That will not release you and deliver you from bitterness. It will increase your bitterness. But when you request to the Lord and you come to him and you say, Lord, you know, I'm coming to you because you have the power to change my circumstances. You, more importantly, have power to change my heart. Look at Psalm 13, verses 3 and 4 for David's bold request. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. In other words, keep me alive, I'm about to die. And my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. Listen to his bold request in Psalm 22. Be not far from me, in my, be not far from me for trouble is near, For there is none to help but you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. Now those horns, dogs... And wild oxen are enemies, are people that are unjustly attacking him. This is a bold request. Here's how you find this in the Psalms of Lament. But, yet, and and often mark the transition from complaint to request. In other words, it's easy to wallow in our complaint. And what we have to do, we have to move with the words, but... Lord, you can change this. And, Lord, you are a part of this. Yet, Lord, I cry out to you. And often, it's a bold demand for God to take action. To take action. Now, I love this. You say, what should I request in my lament? The most basic request is, rise up, O God, and act. God We need you to do something. 
There is no other help. I need you to act on my behalf. In fact, you can go through, there's seven psalms of lament that have this request, Arise, 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 O God. And there's other requests. Grant us help. Others request, remember your covenant promises. Another, let justice be done. Still another, don't remember our sins. Restore us. Don't be silent. Listen to me. Teach me. Vindicate me. Those are all bold requests of the lament. But lamenting is more than invoking, complaining, and requesting. The why in I cry is yield confidently. Yield confidently. By faith, choose to trust the Lord before he acts or answers. Here's what's really cool about the Psalms of Lament. Almost every Psalm of Lament has a point where the guy shifts from complaint and request to like this jubilant trust and praise. And it's so radical that liberal scholars think they are two psalms put together, but they don't understand the greatness of our God. Because when you lament to a God that is our God, the great I am God, he can speak to your heart and turn your heart on a dime. He can send someone your way with a message of hope. And suddenly, even before God acts, even before God answers, you can praise him. While the sea billows roll. You can praise him, though there's pain in the offering. And that's the, that's the goal of lament. Look at David in Psalm 13. Look at the key word. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice. I don't know when it's going to happen, Lord, but I'm going to do it. Because you are trustworthy. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully. He hasn't done it yet. This is trust in our great God. Oh, you can see it in Psalm 22 as well. Now... This is always how, or I I take that back, I shouldn't, not always. This is how biblical laments end. They end with confident trust in the Lord, in his promises, in his power, in his purposes, in the goodness of God. Now, how do we do this? How do you yield confidently when God has yet to act? How do you yield confidently when God has not yet answered your prayer? Well, first, affirm his worthiness to be trusted. Affirm his worth. Affirm his character. Affirm his goodness. You say, how do I do that? Read the Psalms. Secondly, yield yourself completely and repeatedly as you patiently wait. Lord, I will worship you. Lord... Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. It is deep. It is dark. It is night. But I shall praise you. Oh, listen to Job. Listen to Job. 
And finally, commit publicly to praising him with his people. The reason we know these psalms of lament is because this inner suffering was expressed to the Lord and a commitment was made. Lord, you come through on this and I'm going to let your people know it. Lord, I'm going to gather your people around and we're going to shout your glory so that this broken, helpless, sin-sick world can see there's a God that cares about the hurting of his people. Now, even though laments follow a general pattern of I cry, invoke, complain, request, yield, it's important to remember that the order is not rigidly followed in every psalm. That's good news because my life is messy, isn't yours? Invoking and complaining are often combined. Sometimes yielding comes before requesting. Sorrow can't be legislated by rules and limited to one pattern. But nevertheless, our lament ought to include all of these elements. You can't lament if you don't invoke the Lord. You can't lament if you're not willing to complain honestly about your problem to the Lord. And yet if you wallow in complaint, you won't lament because you need to request boldly for God to act. And ultimately by faith, you need to yield before he answers. And say, yet Lord, I will, I will trust you and I will praise you. So. What happens when we learn to lament? What are the benefits of living with lament? I leave you with this. Living with lament. I've taken these seven benefits from the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, by a man's name I cannot pronounce. But it's in your insert. That helped me shape this message. And... I'm not here to expound on each of these. It's just think about this. Living with lament gives us a language for loss. It teaches us to use our pain as a platform for prayer. And it teaches us how to pray for people in pain. One of the hardest things to do is help people who are suffering. Too often we say, oh yeah, you're suffering, let me tell you about my suffering. Boy, that's comforting. Because at the end of the day, I don't care if your suffering's greater than mine, it's not mine. And mine is great. And so if you learn lament, you will learn to be able to pray for people in their pain. In a way that will be helpful and not hurtful. Second of all, lament gives us a solution to silence. Too many Christians are either afraid or refuse to talk to God about their struggles. Lament cracks the door open to talk to God again, even if it's messy. God welcomes our mess. After all, he sent his son to die for it. Amen. It gives us a category for complaint. It teaches us that not all complaining is sinful. Much of it is. But when we do it to the Lord... He redeems it. 
Lament gives us a framework for feelings. I call it gospel groaning. The the biblical song of sorrow is more than sinful spewing of every emotion in your soul. Lament validates the expression of pain while providing a God-centered framework for helping us not to become bitter or drown in our sorrow. Lament gives us a pilgrimage for pain. So don't think I cry. Oh, I have this acronym. Now I have these four steps. And if I follow these four steps, it'll be brighter in the morning. No. No. This is a journey. This is a pilgrimage. And these are like stations on that pathway. It's like a journey ascending Mount Everest. These are the base stations. And you may struggle to get to the first station of invoking God. And you might have to rest there for a while. And then you ascend to complaining. And you'll be tempted to stay there. But you can't. You've got to move on to the next base station of request boldly. And then you reach the top. And you yield in trust, though nothing has changed. You see, lament gives us a way to worship when we're not happy clapping. But life is really crappy. You see, lament will finally end in eternity. Now remember what I said. One of the biggest truths I've learned from this message preparing this message, is there's going to be pe- there's people lamenting in heaven. We're not there yet. And even going to heaven, tears are not yet wiped away. That won't come until the kingdom comes. And when the king comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, then the tear will be wiped away. Then no more sickness. Then no more death. Then no more loneliness. And then, praise God, no more lament. For our faith will be sight. Amen. Here's what Jesus said about his elect people lamenting. It's from Luke 18, 7 through 8. Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So here's what I, I, here's what I leave you with. Keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. Keep trusting. I don't know where you're at. You may be happy and clappy today. Or you may just be feeling crappy. But it doesn't matter. Because we need to keep trusting the one who keeps us trusting. So let me ask you. There's, there's two kinds of people here. Ones that know the Lord and ones that don't. If you don't know the Lord, let your pain drive you to trust the one who is the man of sorrows. The one who suffered for your sins. The one who rose for your justification to forgive you and give you a new heart and a new start. And if you do know him, 
then let your pain teach you to lament. Join me, and let's be learners of lament. I thank God for our worship team here at our church. They do a great job. We can improve, but I'm glad that we're led in lament. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to ask you to have your heads bowed and have your hearts ready to receive God's grace because he wants to give it to you in this moment. If you don't know him and you're hurting, we want to weep with those who weep, but we want to point you to the man of sorrows. Turn from your self-reliance Trust in his righteousness. He knows what you've been through. He's been through it for you. And if you're a believer and you're hurting, this is a message for you. So God, I pray, oh, Heavenly Father, help us now to respond to what you have said to us. Let's do business with the Lord. As they play, I want to pray. I think it's fitting to end with a lament over our lack of lamenting. Oh Lord, our God, why do we carry our sorrows alone? Why do we fear expressing our fears, our worries, our anger, our loneliness to you? How long, oh Lord? Will we go to others with burdens as a substitute for going to you? How long, O Lord, will we rely on a people who cannot change our hearts or our circumstance and forsake and be silent before you who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present? But you, O Lord, are among us right now. You have spoken to us through your word and by your spirit. We boldly ask you to forgive us our lack of lament and cover it with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We boldly ask you to lead us into lament. Lead us, help us to be learners. May we be teachable, O Lord, and may we sing and pray and learn to lament. And we will praise you on the road marked with suffering. We will praise you when sea billows roll. And when the darkness closes in, O Lord, we will still choose to say, by the grace of lament, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I hope this has helped you. Let's take and continue worshiping with our offering, and then we'll close in song.